This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We're going to kick things off with our good friend Mike Sando from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at SandoNFL. And, Mike, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you and wanted to have you on to talk about a piece that you put out on The Athletic talking about all the 32 GMs across the NFL. And before we deep dive into the conversation and the piece that you put out, what was the formula? How, how did you come about yeah. this, uh, this ranking of these 32 GMs? Well, it's very hard to compare them to one another because they're in such different situations and different timelines. So I did two things. I split them up into groups by how long they've been in the job. So like in Mayock's case, he would fit in with a group that has Chris Greer, Dave Gettleman, Brandon Bean, Brian Veach, those types of guys. They've been doing it maybe three or four drafts and separate. And then within that, I just stacked them by win rate because – it's the one thing everyone can know what it is, right? We can adjust in our mind and say, well, yeah, Brett Veach, of course, he has a good record because he had Mahomes, right? right? We can do that in our mind. But but I'd rather do that in our mind than come up with some arbitrary formula where you can't figure it out and it's a black box because I tried to study the drafts. <laughs> right. Uh, and then in half the teams, the coach talked them into taking that guy in the first round anyway. You're right. You, you just can't, you can't get too into the weeds, so... For me, it's just helpful to compare the same GMs that have been doing it the same amount of time, and that was the most important way to bring clarity for me. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense, and one of the questions that we always have around here, especially with Mike Mayock, and obviously John Gruden's not around anymore, is, well, who was a Gruden guy? Who was a Mayock guy? How did that dynamic work? And we'll never know. You know, Mayock's not going to ever come out and say, oh, that was a Gruden guy. So how do, you, how do you kind of evaluate that situation when you know that there was potentially more, actually there was more power for the head coach than there was for the GM? Yeah, I think in a case like the Raiders, it was it's extremely tilted towards Gruden where he's going to be very involved uh, uh, in the personnel stuff for the draft. And I can remember when I was at ESPN, I worked there when he was there, and he I remember him going down to – uh, Florida, or he was already down in Florida, and Mel Kiper came down, and John went through the top, I don't know, 30 or 50 players in the draft, had extremely strong opinions on all of them, and there's just no way that, in my view, knowing John, that they were going to like pick guys that he didn't want to have, probably, right? Right. So I would, I would put that on him. Now, in a different situation, let's take... Uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Pete Carroll's still in Seattle. Pete Carroll's still, uh, he has the final say. But we know, like Pete's even said, that uh, John Schneider was the reason they took Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. That he was the one who was really in love with him. Okay, well, you can then, when you know that over a period of time, you can give some of the credit or blame to Schneider, right? Because you know, in some of the cases, he was really doing it. It's a little bit more shared. In other cases, it's clearly the GM who probably has more of the say, right, than the coach. If it's Jerry Jones, he owns the team. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's not like, hey, Garrett, Jason Garrett, who should we take? 
right? Right. It's, now, he may be asking Will McClay or the other guys in personnel. So I think that does speak to, though, how um, it is different. It's hard to evaluate Mike Mayock as the GM. He hasn't really been the GM. He's been a, a partner and under John Gruden. Exactly. And that's why so many people, including myself, we have really no idea of what or who Mike Mayock could be as far as a GM goes. We know yeah. what we've seen from NFL Network, you know? And yeah. everyone, including myself, feel like we are, we're draft experts when we're sitting here and not sitting under the fire, you know? I mean, everyone yeah, yeah. feels like an yeah. expert then. I've been saying that I think that it would make sense for Mike Mayock to get at least another year, but, I mean, it's the NFL, so you never really know. But what are your thoughts well, on him and him moving forward? Yeah, yeah I, I think that I don't think it's a personal decision, whatever they do. I think it's hey, after all that's happened here, how fresh do we want to start? And some of that has to do with what do you want for your new coach? Do you feel like, hey, if we, to really fully move on from the Gruden era and really start fresh, maybe we need a new coach and GM? Well, that could have nothing to do with Mike Mayock. That's just an organizational decision. Right. He may not be part of that consideration. The other part may be, okay, we swung big to get Gruden. Do we want to swing big again and get another kind of power coach? Uh, if you do that, then maybe that person wants to have their own GM, someone that they've worked with. Or if there's somebody on the current staff you really like, maybe they could work with Mayock, right? It's all really about what you want for the organization. I haven't asked Mark Davis, but I would think that given all that's gone on, that there's been some uh, – this, this could be a case where you've – where they start fresh, right? Right after just the, the way it all went down and ended, and what a season it was. Do you want to? Do you want to just take some mouthwash and have fresher breath? It's a good question. It really is. You you, you might, right? But that's not for me to say. I mean, right. you may really have a comfort level with Mike Mayock and feel like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. He actually would have taken these four guys last year in the draft because I know because we talked about it, right? and shoot, if we would have taken those four guys, we'd have an all-pro team. You don't know what's happened like that behind the scenes. Right, exactly. That's one of the biggest questions that we have. Again, we just don't know. And like I said, he's not the kind of guy that's going to come out and say, like Pete Carroll said, well, you know, this is the reason why we took Russell Wilson. He, Mike Mayock's not going to do that. He's going to say it was all on yeah. him, and he did it. That's just how he rolls, which is which is fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, again, we're talking with Mike Sando from The Athletic, talking about uh, the 32 GMs across the NFL. So with that being said, if you go into the draft cycle, and this we've seen this, I think, a few times, Mike, where you'll see a GM and their staff go all the way through the draft in April, get all the draft players in, and then all of a sudden the front office decides that, okay, we're going to have a shakeup, and then the GM's gone because they've been spending all year – Prepare for the draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. A lot of times you'll see uh, teams shake it up, and we've even seen some of those moves made after the draft. We've had GMs hired after the draft. So, right. Um, yeah, you just don't you don't know for sure what they're going to do. Now, last year we had a few of these things open up in December this time of year. I think Jacksonville opened up. A couple others opened up. So I don't think – I don't know, but I don't – we don't sense that's on the horizon here. Right. Uh, uh, but never know. When you got one person at the top who's an owner, it's not like there's a bunch of other people probably involved, right? There's not like a real strong team president or uh, Mark Davis doesn't have seven siblings who have to vote on it probably, right? Right, right, right. right. No, you're right. You're right, yeah. That's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a something. fascinating place. It, to me, it's a really interesting job and place and opportunity. You've got the new stadium. Um you know, you have an owner who 
people like to make fun of, but he got a stadium built. He's been fairly effective as an owner. Right. Agreed. Uh, you know, you, you have a viable quarterback. You have some some talent. It's not completely barren. You have a fairly, you know, you have a competitive team. Uh, it's not a terrible situation to walk into. No, I think it's going to be a, a really good situation for anyone who walks in, whether it's a, a head coach, GM, whatever the situation is, for everything you just said, I think it's a really favorable type uh, situation. And as far as you know, other franchises go, um, there's certain teams in the league that really stand out to me, like head and shoulders, as really strong, great culture front offices that oh, yeah. just get it. You know, And for me, like the Baltimore Ravens are one of the top ones, in my opinion. But what are some of those, the ones that stand out to you as, hey, these guys, these front offices really get it? Get it. Yeah, no question. Uh, the Ravens are one of them. Pittsburgh's been one of them. You look at the stable places. Uh, uh, New Orleans has been one of them. You have a really good coach. In that case, you have a really good coach. And the GM just sort of stays out of his way, uh, makes it happen, fixes the books, fixes the salary cap to, to do what the coach wants to do in his vision. I, I think uh, Pittsburgh's been a great one where they've only had three coaches since 1970 or whatever it is. And the GM has a clearly defined role, and he, uh, yeah, he's getting players uh, for the coach, but he's getting Pittsburgh Steeler players. They have a they have a model of players, types of players that they want. They keep the same scheme on defense pretty much throughout all the coaches, the last couple coaches. So you know exactly what you're trying to do. I think those are a couple that that come to mind. Seattle has been one, but we'll sort of see. It's been a little bit of rocky here the mm-hmm. last year, and things coming out with Russell Wilson and this. That there could be something coming to a head, uh, but but I think those are some teams that have a have had a good setup uh, for a while. I kind of like how Indy's set up right now too, and they're kind of a team that's coming on late in the year. Haven't done it as long, but but I think you have cohesiveness. You you have a real understanding between the owner, the coach, the the GM, and and they work together. Talking right now with Mike Sando from the Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond has a question for you. Yeah, Mike, I was listening to the athletic show on the podcast version, and you and Robert Mays, you were talking about parity in the league and that there there are no elite teams this year. There are no, There's not that one team that's standing out head and shoulders. And can you speak on, like, why is there so much parity in the league? Because when people hear the word average, they almost think of it as a pejorative, but there are just a lot of average teams this year. Yeah, there have been, there have been fewer of them. Uh, I think some of what's happened this year, the defenses have reacted to um, the offenses, because I think in recent years, offenses have done a great job on first and second down of exploiting the fact that defenses sort of out of habit play the run. So we saw these teams really uh, killing it on play action and uh, on the early downs. And it feels like this year that that's been harder for Patrick Mahomes or, or some of these other offenses to um, produce. And traditionally, offense is like the one thing that kind of carries over we've known who the great quarterbacks are they've always had great offenses this year you've had russell wilson's been up and down mahomes has been up and down uh oh deshaun watson's not even playing i mean that that affects things look at this year there's been an influx of rookie quarterbacks who've struggled last year the rookie quarterbacks were joe burrow and uh and justin herbert they did really well relatively speaking for for rookies so uh you know this year philip rivers and drew Brees retired like I said, we lost Watson. <laughs> You're replacing him with a bunch of rookies that aren't doing as well. So the overall trend over a five-year period may continue, but this year feels like a, definitely a step back for some of those offenses, and I think that has helped close the gap from a parity standpoint that 
you just can't write down Kansas City for 30 points every week. No, no, you can't. And uh, Raider Nation is hoping that they don't get 30 points this week as uh, the Raiders travel there. I know. Head. They're the one team that the Chiefs <laughs> lit it up against in the last six weeks or however long it's been. So, yep. yeah. yeah. Hopefully, from a Raiders standpoint, they got a little different defensive plan. Yeah, they got them for 41 at Allegiant Stadium. It wasn't a pretty sight. Uh, we were there firsthand to, to check that out. That was a that was a bad one. Almost felt like okay, this is the game that's going to snap the Chiefs out of their out of their offensive funk. But uh, they, they've they've kind of fell back into that little hole and that little mold that they've been in. And uh, Mike, before we wrap this up. I did want to ask you, what do you think, just basic off off the research you've done and digging deep into these GMs and, and who's, you know, a quality one, who's really better than the others, how long do you think it takes to understand the quality and, and how good a GM could potentially be? I would think it usually would it take usually would take at least three or four years, but I think you can tell if someone's terrible before that. Okay. Like if someone's really bad and making ill advised moves or uh, botching situations, you may find out early on that, God, they're just not cut out uh, for this. But I think you'd have to give three or four years to really sense that there's a pattern here. Or um, sometimes it's as simple as getting a little lucky with a quarterback. Right. Yeah. Uh, You know, you look at, like, I don't think Ryan Pace has done a good job uh, with Chicago, but if he just made one pick differently at the quarterback position. <laughs> you know, it might look it might look different. Now that's on him that he didn't. So he traded up to get Mr. Trubisky, so you gotta live with that. But uh, I think in some of these cases, um you know, it's look at Arizona with Steve Kime. They took Josh Rosen and then they're like, ah, reset, get Kyler Murray and now everything looks good. <laughs> right. No, you're right. And they're not even fans of the Cardinals aren't even big fans of the head coach, but they're the team is winning. Yeah. You the know? team's winning. Yeah, yeah, and they've sort of got it right. So, right. Uh, yeah, I think you do though need a few years usually to see and and um it is harder to evaluate that role to me because it's a less important role than quarterback or head coach. Right. And so, uh you know, it's harder for that person to just fix everything mm-hmm. exactly good stuff that's great stuff it's really it's a fascinating thing and it's a fascinating scenario that's going on obviously here in las vegas as we pay attention to what is going on with the raiders but i also want to do a deep dive into the rest of the league looking at all 32 uh or gms as you did in your piece on the athletic well uh thank you so much for your time as always mike you're fantastic i do appreciate you and uh, we'll be talking to you soon hey thanks appreciate it Absolutely. There goes Mike Sando from The Athletic on Twitter, at Sando NFL. And again, go ahead and I encourage you to check out his piece on The Athletic that's ranking all 32 GMs. And he gave you the formula of what went into it, uh, the time. He put them into categories of who's been where the longest and then base that off of how you could judge them because everyone is not created equal. Every guy is not the same. But I thought that was a really good breakdown from Mike Sando. And you heard him. Probably three or four years you got to give a guy to know what kind of to know what kind of GM he is, and it's really hard in the situation in, in case that Mike Mayock's in because you just don't know. You know, he, even in the, the Mitchell Trubisky situation, like you mentioned with Ryan Pace, like you know that Ryan Pace made that decision. I don't know that Mike Mayock made the Damon Arnett decision. I don't. I don't know that he made the Cleve Farrell decision. I don't know that he made this, that, and the other decision. I don't know that. I, I just don't. Just wanted to throw in from that year five to nine range on GMs. Um, the number one GM has been uh, John Robinson, the general manager for the Tennessee Titans. Oh, so you're trying to flex on us. Just wanted to throw that in there. Well, you still, I don't think you got a quarterback yet. Doesn't. I, I mean, don't think the team's got a quarterback yet. 
The same. I just. I said, don't think the team's got a quarterback. I just throw it out there. I was just saying. So you know what I mean. When I was talking about parity, I was like, "There's nothing wrong with average." All right. There's nothing wrong with average. I mean, you know? Ryan Tannehill is nothing more than average. I wonder, and I don't know because you can I, win with average. I, you you can. can make a Super Bowl with average. You, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. How would you rank? Okay, let me ask you this. And we'll take a break. <laughs> Who would you rather have, Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill? As a Tennessee Titan fan, Tannehill. Would you really? Yes. I, I'm not. There's something to be why? said let me about. Ask you, just ask you why he can extend plays. Okay, that's I, fair. One of those things about Heineke, where I was worried about that game, mm-hmm. if he breaks loose and right. like runs for a first down, and he did it multiple he, times, he, he, he extends. That's true. Like, those are some of those, the, those. Those are the intangibles where it's just like the fact that you have to worry about it makes that bit of a difference. Boom! I like it. Three seventeen is the time. Come back. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. This is unnecessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You gotta give a speech at school. You know, tell these, talk to these kids. You know. Well, they're gonna have to. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just gonna we're, leave it alone. I'm just gonna leave it alone. They're gonna, gonna, they're gonna, gonna come up with a title or figure out at least what the damn award's for. You know, j- I, hey, uh, re- respected alumni. I'll just come in there like, hey, kids, you see, you see where I'm at. Welcome back to unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3:30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll give us our UNLV fill. We'll talk some football and some Running Rebels basketball. They'll be in action later on this evening. That's at 3:30. Uh, many thanks to Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 KC for joining us in the first hour to talk all things Chiefs. And then we just heard from Mike Sando from the Athletic broke down the GMs across the NFL. And right now, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. The question I want to throw out there, who was this last month most important for as far as you're concerned when it comes to the silver and black? Again, 702-365-9200 in the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword RNR. Let's go out to a very patient Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show, Mitch. What's on your mind? Hey, happy holidays, brother. Hello? Yeah. Happy holidays, my oh, man. It's my fault. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I'm driving an eye here. People have no patience. You know, I'm just a FedEx guy. Expect me to go 60. That <laughs> light is dark. Hey, man. man be, you, can, be, you go out there. Tell, tell them to be nice to the FedEx guy. Yeah, really. You know, especially when they're packaged at the right place on time, you know. I heard that. I, I say 75% delivery to the right place is good enough for me. I just love when it says fragile, don't drop, don't bend. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't worry, your package is safe with me. Um, you know, I think these. Uh, I think uh, the commissioner, the football, the gods, the football gods. They want Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. That'll be that'll be uh, top range. Uh, our defensive line is going to have to play tremendous. We play pretty well defensively. If we can just hold them to 17, I think that's a win because their defense is not that good. But they got too much space and Mahomes. He's an incredible guy. I, I'm, I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I said it. I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame. He just makes anybody good. He would make me look good out there. And one more thing. I say the Raiders, they got to drive a, a wide receiver and a running back. And you know how many times I know I've said Drake London before. Uh, maybe the next time I'll be more prepared, I'll give you what a uh, running back I'd like to see him get. But they definitely have to get those two in the first two rounds. That's just me. All right, good you stuff. Have a nice one, Q. Hey, you too, man. Be safe out there on that road. Shout out to the FedEx guys. And I'll tell you, man, it's hard out there for a FedEx man or any delivery man. UPS, FedEx, Amazon. This time of year, I'm telling you, man, I, I will never forget this time of year when I was delivering FedEx in Tulare, California. Shout out to Tulare, California. And I was at Radio Shack, and someone literally tried to jack me. They literally tried to jack my truck. At Radio Shack, it was a long stop. I had a very long stop there because there's always a big delivery and there's always a big. I have to take, they always send a bunch of stuff back. So I'm loading it up, 
I backed my truck all the way up to the to the door. I come out. I'm about to throw these packages on there, and I kind of see some movement in the front of my truck. I always have the you know the little sliding door closed, so you can't get in the back. And I look, and this dude's jumping off the truck, and I go, "Really? In front of me? Like you're not even gonna try to be slick?" And he just ran, and I didn't chase him because why would I? Right? Not gonna chase him, dude. I don't know. I don't know what you're rocking with, but. <laughs> It was just funny, man. It's like he literally, but this time of year, man, the FedEx guy, the UPS guy, you got to be on your A game because they'll try to get you. They don't care what the box has in it. They just want to take a box home to somebody. I got you a present. What'd you get? I don't know. It's it, a press. It was something. It's kind of heavy. Ends up being like some toiletry item or something, you know, something stupid. Something you didn't have to pay something for. Didn't you, something you didn't want. Something you're angry you got. I know. FedEx guy. Shout out to him. Let's go to our guy who we just saw at the Rockstar on Saturday. He had a birthday. He celebrated a birthday. He didn't come away with a W, but he did celebrate a birthday. Fargo Raider, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, Q and DeMond. What's up? For the shout out, my man. Yeah, absolutely. What's uh, up, brother? Just chilling, man, chilling. You know, trying to stay warm out here in all this snow. Man. It's rough. Yeah, you better than me. Yeah, yeah sir. And then, man, it would be in too long if somebody trying to take your truck, man. All them dope heads running around my car coach with the lights get on. <laughs> rough. Yeah, buddy. And I, I'm, I'm going to have to say, Jacobs, I think, got to be the one who's filling this last month is the most important to him. You know, next, he's got that fifth-year option coming up, and it's looking kind of pricey because he did get into one Super Bowl. I saw someone, I can't remember the exact number, but it kind of elevated his, his option numbers. Yep. So if he's going to want to earn that option, He's going to have to put in that work, man. He's going to have to be that guy in these last few games in December and prove that he's worth the trouble and the money, you know, because he's always running his mouth about how he's not hurt, how they cap him, this, that, or the other, but then he's on the injury report and he's not on the field on Sunday, which I I can't ever understand, you know. Like, you're going to call out your trainers and coaches, but you're on the report and you ain't on the field? I don't get it. And then the last little point, Q, the, since you guys are touching on the GMs, I don't know if we even we don't like people say we don't know Mayock what he's about. You know, like Arnett. I feel like that was kind of a Paul Gunther move since uh, Gruden didn't really much care what the defense did. He just wanted them to do their job. I don't think he really po- like poked around in the defensive picks as much as long as he got his offensive guys. So I think Gunther was the one who wanted Arnett and Cleet, and then. I think uh, Max was kind of a, of a little steal for for uh, Mayock. And then this time around, we saw with that story he told where the um, where the scout told him about Hobbs, and then he showed him to, uh, to the D-backs coach, and they were like, yeah, scoop him if you can, and they got him. And look at how a man's been working out. Same with Merrick, you know. And now he's talking to his coaches the position coaches and seeing what they want, what they think will work for their systems. And those guys seem to be working out more. I think we need to give them another year, let them work with the coaches, and then we'll really see what Mayock's got to offer. There you go. Good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate you, my man. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you never know. And, and when it comes to Jacobs, he made the Pro Bowl last year. So uh, his his, his fifth-year option is $10 million. Oh, it's a lot of money. But – uh, you know, maybe he does need to go ball out the, the rest of this season and, and lead uh, not only by his words and what he's saying in the locker room, but also on the field. I mean, that could be something. And I think that Josh Jacobs is the kind of guy that is up for the challenge. We're going to take one more quick call, and then we'll get to Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports talking all things UNLV. Let's talk to our good buddy Houston in L.A. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Big Q? How's everybody? Blessed, man. Blessed. Hey, man. I know we all struggling, fam. I mean, it's like toxic. 
and all good, bad, I feel you. Now, I think it, it was, I kind of jumped in on the tail end, Q, like uh, you said two positions that you think we need, correct? I Did I? No, I didn't. Uh, oh, 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 that was sorry. That was a caller said that we uh, that we needed to make sure that um, the Raiders go out and get a wide receiver and a running back. Oh, okay, sweet, sweet. You had a question, bro. If I'm not mistaken, uh, unless you just let me go freestyle with it, because if that's the case, then 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 I'm gonna go freestyle. Yeah, because, go ahead, freestyle. Go for it. Uh, all, all right, champ. Look, um, we 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 all feel the pain right now. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the drafts that that uh, grew and, and Mayock have made lately, even though. We want to do a lot of complaining, man, you know, about car and all that stuff. Right. We complain about car. We can have ARI here. Same thing, dude. You, you know, the, the team is looking a, a heck of a lot better. We have some falling off pieces. Like, our, our original linebackers ain't even out there. Our, our, our original line ain't even out there. And, and so, once you stumble like that, and then, you know, we all taking the wounds, and then we see, you know, these, man, the hated ones. Like, it used to be. Denver and KC and all that, but the Patriots, when you see them turn around and, and do everything all good again, all oh, that's fine and dandy, man. I'm not jealous of them because, honestly, I was saying, you know, and having a lot of negative thoughts about my man Groove, you know, Groove when he was making it happen because of the play calling and such and such, but, man, coaching counts, bro. And, yep. and, I, and I think Groove has a similar mindset of Belichick. Man, you can't tell me no different. You can't tell me when he was out there in the snow, in the tuck room, when the West did us dirty and just did us wrong that it wasn't in Groove's mind. Like, dude, my mind is just as fresh as yours. Because we, we, we were making it happen back in those days. We had nice defense. Woody Wood was out there making it happen. We had Beaker. We had squad. We still got squad. So, just, you know, we got to keep our head up. Do because unfortunately we got like you know some second string coaches in there right now like Gus, no doubt. But Gus ain't running it, and no disrespect to Rich either. He just you know he he's green, he's green. So we got to keep the hope alive, baby. And man, man, we need to just go on and take these Chiefs out the game, homie. That's all I'm saying. Let's just beat these Chiefs. Let's beat these Chiefs and take it one step at a time. There it is. Great call. Great call. Houston and L.A. Appreciate you, my man. Appreciate the passion. And, uh, yeah, man, that that um, that tech, tuck rule game, man, Gruden versus Belichick in that game, uh, I do think that the minds were a lot uh, closer at that point, you know. But, uh, of course, Belichick stayed in the game the whole time, and Gruden had a, a, a nice hyenas. But, uh, man, I'll tell you um, – that, that that was a heck of a game. Boy, that was a heck of a matchup in that snow. I remember nobody gave the Raiders a chance to win that one because it was in the snow, and these California guys can't come to, to Foxborough and win a game, but they found a way to get it done. Thank you so much for your call, my man. I appreciate it. Well, they didn't. until They did find a way to get it done until they didn't get it done, as we all know. 3.31 is the time when we come back. Paloma Villacana, she'll join us next to talk all things UNLV. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. As we always have our phone lines lit up like Christmas trees. I mean, we really do. Always have a lot of great callers. The minute that we're trying to call out and get our next guest, and we're supposed to have Paloma Villacan on from Fox 5 Sports talking all things UNLV, something goes wrong with the phone lines. So, right now we're efforting Paloma. We're actually asking her to call us, which is embarrassing. But that's what happens sometimes. Every once in a while, you just got to roll with the punches. And I didn't have to tell you the truth about it. <laughs> As DeMond's shaking his head right now, like, why are you putting us on blast, Q? Hey, look, just call it what it is. I know guys that would be throwing 
throwing a fit in the studio right now and say they're not going to do a show. I know it. Been there, done that. <laughs> Been that guy. Got a couple good text messages that I wanted to get through real quick before Paloma joins us. Uh, the Mailman Raider hit us up. Shout out to the Mailman Raider. Be, be safe out there these holidays. Hit us up on the uh, Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r The next regime has no loyalties to anybody on this team. Really, all they all really need to perform, but I'd just say Abram. He clearly has talent, just needs to put it all together like glue. He's another fifth-year option guy. They're going to have to make that decision in the offseason. You see where he thrives at. You see where he's really good at. You see moments where he flashes like, wow, that dude's really good. Then you see moments where you're thinking, I don't know what's going on here. And he's a liability. To the point where JT even mentioned, maybe sitting him for this game. Because Kansas City always looks to exploit him. So, uh, good good text, Mailman Raider. I appreciate you. Got another one from Big Dub Raider. Thank you for the shout-out to us courier workers. UPS myself from Gardena, California. Go Raiders. That's a good one. It's so funny. I've met, no joke, when we're at the Rockstar on Saturday, I've met so many people that say, Hey, man, Q, I didn't know you drove for FedEx. I drive for FedEx. Or I drive for UPS. Or I... I'm a mailman here. I'm a mailman there. So many. It's awesome. Shout out to you. Uh, how about Joel and Pomona? He hit us up and said, good, after- good afternoon, Q and Demon. I feel like Mayock really wants the team to get back to being a consistent winner. I just think with all the stuff going on, it really put a doubt in some of the players' heads that they can't shake it off. That's Joel from Pomona. It's a good possibility. It's a good possibility. Uh, I-, I definitely believe he wants the team to be a winner consistently. No doubt about that. That's not, that's not the possibility. The possibility is that there was some doubt that crept into the minds of some of the players. And I hate that. Uh, I hate that. But that's just the nature of the beast. That's what happens. Right now, we do have on the phone lines Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 talking all things UNLV. And Paloma, we appreciate you. Uh, sorry for being a few minutes late. Did we actually call you or did you have to call us? Um, I, I dialed your digits. It's cool. Ah, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. We apologize. I'm like- <laughs> Am I live? Am I on? Am I, you know, doing my makeup? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're 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 all the way live. We're good, but uh, yeah, we we're having we we're having a little te- technical difficulties. I don't know what it was, but I do appreciate no, you uh, <laughs> making some time and calling us it's in. All good. All right. Multitasking. Abs- <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's let's dive right into some UNLV athletics. Jacoby Wyman, a big time defensive player for the Rebels, is no longer a Rebel. Committed today to a uh, Michigan State. He had he had decommitted. He well, not decommitted, but he had entered the transfer portal. Uh, and obviously, he was wanted by a lot of different programs. Michigan State, that's a big deal. Does that, I mean, you already knew how good of a player he is, but how much does that really put in perspective how great he really had the potential to be, say, in a program like Michigan State wanted him? Well, to be honest, I, I was pretty surprised how quickly he entered the transfer portal uh, Sunday after the football season ended. Uh, you know, it was, it was big breaking news. I went on my show and was like, yo, UNLV's one of their best players is out. He's gone. He's in the transfer portal. And, you know, he's so talented moving inside to middle linebacker. He had over 100 tackles uh, this season. So he, he was a baller all year, uh, you know, racking up tons of tackles each game, leading the defense. So I know his future was, was totally bright when he entered the transfer portal. But he had big offers. TCU, uh, Penn State, Michigan State—you know—he has some big, big offers out there. So, um, you know, happy that he's he's headed up north. You know, he's a dog, so I can't wait to see him ball out. And he's for sure—you know—we'll we'll see him. We'll see him for sure on Sundays. I'm excited to watch him. I think 
he's a junior, so I think he has like two or three years of eligibility left. Wow. So, um, you know, he, yeah, I mean, he's got three years left to play. Like, you know, that's a lot, a lot of time. So, um, excited for him, excited for him, but also a big loss for the Rebels. You know, who who are they going to replace at that position? I know Austin GK had a big season too. Uh, Kyle Beaudry is going to have to step up too. So. Uh, that'll be kind of a focus when Arroyo's recruiting this offseason is to replace Jacoby Whitman. Yeah, exactly. And I know it's early December right now, and there's a whole basically offseason recruiting cycle. Uh, there's going to be young guys brought in, Arroyo's guys brought in. But kind of what's the mood around the program right now as far as guys that are coming back? They saw a little success in, in 2021 with the two wins that they picked up. And then going into you know the offseason, the programs that they'll be having, and then getting into next season, kind of – how how is the temperature around the team right now? I think I think Coach Royal is really obviously we've seen on his social media, but my last show with him, incredibly positive, pumped up, juiced up. I mean, he was like getting ready to hit the road, start recruiting full speed. So I think they put the twenty twenty one season to bed really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they they dropped six games by a single score. You know, faced four ranked opponents, went toe to toe with 19th-ranked SDSU, who played like trash all season, but still, 19th-ranked SDSU. Right. Um, you know, so so I think there's a lot of good to take away. Obviously, statistically, they're getting better. Uh, back-to-back freshman of the year with Cam Friel uh, and then, you know, Kyle Williams, so that's huge. So you can see it on paper that, you know, Arroyo's recruiting a bright future. All the six-year seniors that I sat down with said, no, I mean, they're excited to see – the future of this program and, and, you know, the players that Coach Royal continues to bring in. You know, they were banged up this season. Quarterback, defense, offense. I mean, thank God for Daniel Gutierrez, their kicker, <laughs> not, not getting right. hurt. But they were banged up, several starters out every game. So if they can stay healthy and, and the Royal can bring in another record-breaking class, uh, you know, it's only it's only up. It's only up for UNLV. That's what I would say as well, and especially you mentioned the back-to-back, you know, freshman of, of the year. Uh, that's big because you can build with those guys. You know, they're still young. You can build with those guys, and you're bringing your own guys in as well. And, and one other thing that you said that really stood out to me is the six games that they lost that were – really close, really one-score games. And I know there's no moral victories. Coach Royal will be the first one to tell you that. But that tells you that they were in those games, and a play here or a play there could turn things around quick, fast, and in a hurry. So that's got to give the team at least a little bit of, hey, we're not out of our league here. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of those games came down to the fourth quarter, and, you know, they were, they were just trying to get over the hump this season, and they were right there. And, you know, the Chuck Wagon, Charles Williams, he told me, that was his frustration this season was just they were almost there. They were almost, you know, finishing on top. So he said, you know, mentally that took a toll on them that they were they have the potential. They know they can do it. They just need to finish on top and, and continue to finish games uh, this year. So I know Coach Arroyo said that a lot on my show that throughout each week, each each list, each practice, each meeting, he was doing something where he implemented where they finished, doing something to finish that list, finish that meeting, finish the practice. 
Uh, so I know that will that will definitely be a point of emphasis uh, in the off season and going forward. Absolutely. Again, right now we're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox Five Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. And Paloma, let's talk about the Running Rebels, the hoop team right now. They're at four and five, and so far this season. They've won the games they were expected to win. They've played a tough schedule. They've lost the ones that they weren't favored in, the ones that you thought, okay, those are going to be real tough, but maybe they can you know, build on it or maybe they can you know, surprise someone. What do you feel like the temperature of is the running Rebels team right now? What does Coach Kruger have to do to kind of get things cooking again? Yeah, I mean, I just had my first show with him, and, and he, he's been proud of how his brand-new team, brand-new players uh, have come together so quickly and you know, he really talked about the non-conference schedule that they face, the environments they've been in uh, with the main event, facing number four Michigan, having a close game against Wichita State, facing number two UCLA, playing SMU on the road, you know, playing San Francisco on the road. Those are all really good teams mm-hmm. they've already faced this season in their non-conference schedule. Um, so, you know, he said they, they've been thrown in the fire, you know, foot on the gas. They have not stopped. So when I had him on my show on Sunday, I said, okay, you're back home in the month of December. You're playing all your games in Vegas here in the month of December. Is this kind of a nice reset button for you guys this week to catch your breath, assess your film, assess your guys, and, and, you know, continue to get back to work? And he said, yeah, we have been nonstop. And for him as a new head coach, with a new head coach, brand new players, (laughs) he needs a second to take a breath, too and to just kind of get back to practice, get back to their routine, get back to their ways, um, you know, and continue to get better each day. Now, one guy I'm, I'm looking to hopefully see tonight is their Oklahoma transfer who hasn't played yet, their junior forward, Victor E. Walker, who's been banged up, uh, hasn't played a game this season. So if he starts, or if he's in the starting lineup or if he gets any playing time tonight, I'll be eager to see what he looks like and how he can contribute to the Rebels. Yeah, they'll be hosting the Seattle Redhawks tonight, and we'll get to that game in just a quick second, but I wanted to ask you personally, how was it as a proud TCU alum, how, how was it to go back to Fort Worth and <laughs> be there? I know it was the campus of SMU, and that's TCU's rival right there, but you were back there yeah. in Fort Worth. You know all about that. your stomping ground. How was that to be back there? Oh, Texas was great. I mean, Texas is so much fun i love the culture the football the food the barbecue you know i had my barbecue i had all that it was, i was like oh i forget that i'm working paloma <laughs> i'm like don't forget you have a basketball game to cover but no it was great smu's beautiful you know dallas is, is is beautiful but yeah being back there i was like man i mean it's cool to come full circle and, and really appreciate where you've come from you know where my journey has taken me all over the country and you know, to go back to, to your college and, and where you came from, it's it's cool. It's a cool moment. But, um, yeah, SMU, <laughs> that was a tough game. Tough game for sure. Um, but it was cool to see that a lot of the players were able to see their family members, hang out with their family. There's a lot of Texas guys on this Run and Rebels right. team. So a little bit of a homecoming for them, but obviously they wanted to, you know, get that dub and, and move forward. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's funny that me and you have kind of ran in the same circles together, but not necessarily at the same time, but we ran in kind of the similar circles. And so uh, for Thanksgiving, I was covering the Raider Cowboy game in Texas, and I just came from Texas, so we got a chance to go back and see some family and friends as well. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, it's kind of cool to do that, right? So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, was, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. So I want to get into tonight's game real quick. It's a 7 p.m. tip-off. Yeah. Again, the Red Hawks, uh, Seattle 
well. They're seven and two. Uh, they haven't played a, a just a juggernaut of a schedule, but they're still seven and two. You are what your record is. Uh, what are your thoughts on tonight's game? How do you think it shakes out? Yeah, I mean, I think the Rebels continue have to have to get better. You know, they're still playing some really good teams in this non-conference schedule, and um, you know, Coach was just saying they need to get back to focusing on their shots shot selection and, and continuing to get better on offense and continuing to find that chemistry. You know, they came out slow in, in their past two road games. So, uh, yeah, that first half against SMU, you know, Coach was just saying they weren't on the same page. They weren't connecting. They weren't communicating. They weren't talking. Um, so he expects them to get better tonight. He expects them to get better this week. Um, I think playing the rest of their home games here in December, you know, they have a chance to kind of regroup and, and get back together and continue to to get better. So I, I'm hoping for a dub tonight. I know the guys would love to see that after, you know, their their schedule they've had. It's the tough road trip they just came back from. I think these guys have a really big chip on their shoulder because these players are coming from, you know, West Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma, where these guys have played in the tournament. They know what big wins are, big games are. And, you know, these guys expect to win. A lot of them were incredibly emotional after the San Francisco loss. Mm. You know, some guys just fired up emotional after the game because these guys are coming from programs where they've been in big games, they've won big games, and they expect to beat San Francisco. They expect to beat SMU. They expect to beat all these teams they're facing. So, you know, if we see them put up a big game tonight, that'd be awesome because I know these guys are, are hungry for a win. Yeah, no I no, no doubt about it. I mean, those guys that are coming from the Big 12, I mean, that's big-time college hoops, you know. <laughs> so that action, those are some big-time games, and I could expect them, you know, to have that locker room pretty fired up, and I'm sure they want to get back to winning ways starting tonight. Well, what you got coming out on, uh, on the Reb Zone that uh, UNLV fans should be looking out for? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's all hoops now. The month of November was – very, very busy, stressful with football and basketball. And I had Coach Royal and <laughs> Kevin Kruger, and I was like running all over the country in November. But now that we're in December, it feels nice to kind of be home, you know, focus on basketball, continue to produce great work with the Running Rebels. But we'll we'll have Coach Coach Kruger in studio this Sunday, nice. uh, recapping their week. And then I'm I'm sitting down with the freshmen, the local. Keyshawn Gilbert. So it'll be fun to showcase the only freshman on the team who's out there fighting with, you know, 20, 22, 23 year olds. Right. So, um, yeah, it'll be fun to sit down with Keyshawn, a Vegas native, uh, get to know him a little better. And yeah, just hang out with Coach Kruger, who's, who's awesome. He's, I mean, he was already joking on my first show. Like, he's totally, totally nice. And yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love it. It's, it's basketball season you know let's do this <laughs> right absolutely and it, it helps when you love what you do and so you do a fantastic job so uh keep it up <laughs> we will be paying attention we'll be tuned in locked in and uh we appreciate you so much Thanks, Keith. See you soon. All right, see ya. There she goes. Paloma Villacana does a fantastic job covering UNLV like a glove, football, basketball, whatever the sport may be. She's got it covered, and she does a fantastic job and gives us a few minutes of her time each week here to talk some running Rebels, some Rebels, whatever the case may be, we're going to talk some UNLV. Right now, as we get ready to close out the show, and I don't know what you have planned, Damon, but I want to go ahead and hook up someone right now. Caller number nine, I want to get you in to win Clay Baker's Ultimate Holiday Tailgate Hookup. What does that mean? Well, you're going to get hooked up with a two-foot 
foot sub immediately, but that's going to get you in to win the grand prize, the ultimate holiday tailgate prize pack, a charcoal grill, a pop-up canopy, two camping chairs, a cooler, a Bluetooth speaker, plus a six-foot sub provided by supportive subs. That can all be yours. Right now, I'm looking for call number nine at 702-365-9200. Going to get you hooked up with that two-foot sub, but it'll get you in to win the whole grand prize. Clay Baker's ultimate holiday tailgate hookup. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I hope you didn't blink because we're back to close out the show. Got a couple minutes left. We'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy in the huddle. And uh, very excited about the guest that Vinny's going to have starting off the show. 415, scheduled to have rookie Malcolm Kuntz from the Raiders. Uh, he registered a sack on Sunday. I think he played about seven snaps, maybe eight snaps on Sunday, but picked up a sack and so that's a that's a good performance right there from the rookie getting his first action of the season uh the third round pick out of buffalo i think he's got a bright future uh he's got a you know this i was talking about today throughout the course of the show uh who's this month important for a guy like that malcolm coons this month is important for him he may get a little bit more burn and burn with carl Nassib being injured he might be uh he might be out there and and get an opportunity to come up with some big plays and some special big moments like this week i mean i'm sure that you know every every DN or edge rusher or defensive lineman or whatever you want to call him, any one of those guys coming into the league always says that they want to sack Tom Brady. How many young dudes want to sack Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's one of those situations. So uh, Malcolm Kuntz has an opportunity to go out there and, uh, you know, really show something and, and show who he could be coming up the last month of the season. If any, will be talking to him coming up at 415. Definitely excited about that conversation. Want to give a big shout out to my guy, Jeff, who just got in to win Clay Baker's ultimate uh, ultimate tailgate hookup it's got a lot of great prizes in it that we talked about already uh you're gonna get in to win that so uh, jeff congratulations shout out to porta subs for hooking you up with the two foot sub but uh like i said more importantly getting you in to win the whole prize pack yeah jeff it was um was one of those odd things sometimes you got is this a prank call because i'm not trying to put all jeff's business out there but it's jeff no go on do it eh? you know it's jeff fisher oh and then you think like not that jeff fisher yeah is, is this a joke Trying to be funny, but no, he's, he's actually Jeff Fisher. There you go. Just one thought that was one of those, huh? You know what's funny is I have a really good friend in Texas, and his name, Pops, Pops. His his real name is John Smith, right? And so, and so when I said that on the air one day in Texas, my co-host at the time said, oh, that's a generic name, and thought, and I was like, why? how you call a man's name generic? And I was like, how you call him generic? And then on top of that, to double down, his son's name is... John Smith Jr. So he thought I was making up these names like to try to protect the innocent. Like I was just giving them aliases. John Doe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, no, that's his name. It's John Smith. Why can't it, why can't that be his name? Oh, that's generic. I like, why is his name generic? I guess, yeah, because, you know, you can't. The, Q, Damone, like nobody never says our names are like boring or generic. Right. Generic is what you get on the uh, at the grocery store in the aisle where it's like the white label stuff. That's the generic stuff. Cheese. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what it's called. It ain't no brand. It's just cheese. Water, <laughs> milk, eggs. You can't call a man's name generic. Anyway, shout out to Jeff Fisher. He's in to win. I'm sure Vinny Bonsignor is thinking, what in the hell is going on with these guys? Talking about the, the aisle at the store with the white label. I'll tell you one thing. Vinny's from L.A. Vinny ain't never been on the aisle that has all the white labels. <laughs> Vinny ain't never been on that aisle. Vinny don't even know where that aisle exists kidding that's my guy 4 to 6 p.m he's gonna hold it down lincoln kennedy gonna be rocking side by side with them had a fantastic show yesterday they're gonna come out the gate swinging today my man danny's gonna be in studio holding it down as well 
And Malcolm Kuntz will join the show at 4.15. We'll be back here at same bat time, same bat channel, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'll holler.